Greetings, ladies and gents, and welcome to this narration of the web novel Burning Stars, Falling Skies, taken from both HFY and Royal Road. The link to the original will be down below, and as always, I hope that you enjoy. And if you do, please subscribe, like, and comment so that the great algorithm and all its wisdom decides to help grow this channel. Chapter 11 Suspended Amongst the Angels Three Dak stood in her office, graspers crossed, staring out the floor-length window at the strand of iron and gossamer running from the great desert into the sky above. Below her pleasantly air-conditioned office, gleaming skyscrapers of steel and glass jutted up from what used to be the swamp. These days, lament resembled the human city more than anything. The only reminder of its humble past was a residence nestled amongst the concrete and bustle of the 200,000 Dodge Tal that lived here. Queen Dorma, her personal doctor, interrupted her thoughts, an irritated buzz in her voice. I must object, we both know that your condition isn't stable. The elevator is only in its early phases, and there haven't been any studies as to how well the radiation shielding works. For all we know, uh, that's enough, Thredak interrupted, not taking her gaze from the ribbon of metal stretching past the horizon. I worked for years chained to this planet, knowing that my birthright is just out of my grasper's reach. She turned away from the window, taking in the exasperated cock of Dorma's head, and a larger dodge tile stood hunched over Thredak's desk, her graspers all but digging into the rich wood. Maybe her daughters would have preferred a doctor that would just advise her, but Thredak learned long ago that a yes dodge tile was of little use. As an absolute monarch, she had the power to do anything she wanted, but it would hardly be responsible to simply surround herself with sycophants. As annoying as it could be at times, she needed advisors that didn't have a problem with aggressively trying to change her mind. I tamed the first hotton and laid the first brick in the city, Thredak continued, flicking her tongue out and tasting the sterile air in her office. I've read your reports on my health just as closely as I've read Bakai's reports on the orbital elevator. I know the risks, but it is time for me to claim my birthright, even if I won't be rooting from orbit. Traveling there is an important symbol for our entire race. A definite sign that the Dutch Tal have taken their first faltering steps to a larger galaxy. But your exposure? Norma leaned back from Thredak's desk and threw her graspers up in frustration, only to be interrupted by the chime of the officer's intercom. Katash has here to see you, my queen. Bawal's voice spoke evenly and professionally from the metal grill in Thredak's desk. She should be in your office momentarily. Enough, Redak cut off Dorma, her ocular membrane snapping shut decisively. You have made your objection. I've decided to proceed anyway. The time for discussion is over. You know my standing orders regarding letting my daughters know about my condition. I trust that I won't need to reiterate that not a word can be leaked to them or anyone else. Fine, Dorma sighed with repeat. I only speak because I care, and I don't have any desire to instill panic, but I worry that you refuse to see the seriousness of the situation. Regardless, if you are going to, that means that I will have to go with you. If you are going to put yourself at risk, it is up to me to do what I can to mitigate that foolishness of the risk. 
the door to the office open and Katash stepped through. He stood tall in the doorway, a stylish uniform of kinetic-resistant microfiber adorned with metals and weapons. Threedak's muzzle pulled up into a smile. Her daughters looked every inch the noble and imposing warrior commander of Dutch Tull armed forces. Mother, Katash inclined her head, eyes flicking briefly to Dorma's presence. I've come to try and talk you out of this foolishness. Thank you. Dorma called out over her shoulder as she made her way into one of the officer's overstuffed reclining couches. She won't listen to me. Maybe you'll have better luck. There won't be any convincing, Threedak replied, shooting a stern look at Dorma. I'll follow your instructions regarding my safety, but this is one spot where I'm going to put my feet down. I will be going into space. But what if the dissident group tries to strike you? Kantash asked heartily, her tail twitching briefly. The cult of Karl Marx is still demanding absolute equality, whatever that means. I've been hunting down their cells one by one, but they've wised up since their first attempt on your life. Their leadership has started using melodramatic pseudonyms and no Dunchtal knows more than four other rebels. They haven't been able to manage more than petty vandalism in years, but I think they're just biding their time. Then individually pick every Dodge Tall operating in an elevator and working my security detail, Redak replied. There is no need for me to interact directly with the public. We can simply broadcast my journey and stream it worldwide. Shut down the entire city for a day if you need to. This is just not the Marxists, Katash fretted, her tail again thumping against the office's hardwood floor. The male rights groups are becoming more and more active. Apparently, they want you to issue an order that men be cared for in the creches alongside our daughters. I suppose this is what I get for listening to them, Threedak snorted. I ordered an end to eating males post-breeding, and suddenly they asked for both moons. If they want to spend the deck to build and fund a preserve for men, I won't stop them. But I am not spending tax money on this when the invaders could come to our doorstep. Wait. Dorma interjected, her head poking up from where she was resting on the couch. They want men to be raised in the crashes. Males are absolutely feral. If you're not in season, they're just likely to bite you as interact with you. Many of the biology community are still trying to get a handle on the extent of dodge dimorphism. Outside of their reproductive organs, men are barely in the same species as the rest of us. They only have four legs, Katash agreed, shaking her head. No graspers, and they grow to a barely two feet long. When my mind isn't clouded by mating pheromones, they seem about as dodge tall as a hunter, about as smart too. No more concessions for the males' right groups. Threedak reported decisively. They can do what they want, but every man I've seen wants to run free and scavenge in between mating seasons. Cooping them up in a crash would be counterproductive, and frankly, I think it would be cruel to them. Even if a couple men die to natural predators or starvation, it's better than turning them into house pets. After some discussion and planning, they broke for the evening. The next morning, Dodge Tall with a camera joined Threedak and the security cordon as they traveled to the orbital elevator. The streets of Lament were cleared with the occasional glimpses of police forces restraining clouds of well-wishers seeking to catch a glimpse of Threedak. It was a shame that she couldn't greet them directly, but after the first incident with the Marxists, Threedak and her daughters had become much more careful of her safety. 
About an hour later, the motorcade reached the edge of the city where it was joined with a trio of walkers, a recent collaboration by Bakai and Katash. The walkers consisted of an armored body with a quartet of legs that folded under it to reveal heavy-duty wheels. Uneven terrain, it would function as an eight-wheeled armored car or tank, but on uneven terrain, it could lift itself up and walk several feet off the ground on its legs. The leg form wasn't anywhere near as fast, but it allowed the walker to gain a level of maneuverability that traditional wheeled and treaded vehicles could not match. Threedak had seen the footage of the walkers traveling at high speed on their wheels, leap into the air and land on the now-extended legs before converting to a loping run without interruption. The added mobility allowed the walkers to operate in deserts, cities, and hilly terrain that otherwise would force the traditional vehicles to stop. Katash was particularly proud of this ability to lean forward or sideways, allowing them to utilize cover when firing their main cannon. Whether it was an impressive security apparatus or Katash's crackdowns, their drive to the elevator was unhindered by the terrorists or protesters. The elevator ride itself was fairly uneventful. They steadily accelerated upwards at about half the planet's standard gravity. Threedak felt slightly heavy on the outs of sorts, but other than that no real ill effects as their entourage gathered in the corner of the cavernous elevator. Soon, multiple elevators would be running at all times, powered by compact fusion reactors at a fraction of the cost of chemical rockets. Shipping goods and Dodgetown into orbit where the homeworld shipyards were beginning to take shape. Threedak looked out the window as the world diminished beneath her. The massive cities, mines, and factories around Lament began to fade away. It was hard to believe that already there were over 25 million Dodge Tull living and working towards their race's destiny at this very moment. What a difference 20 to 30 years of development made. According to their historians, before Threedak took charge of their race, their race only numbered between 300 and 400,000 spread out over the surface of the entire planet. Logically, it made sense. Keeping large, consummate carnivals like the Dodge Tall fed was a daunting task, one that didn't let any known Dodge Tall die of old age. The competition for meat was simply too brutal for any one tribe to expand or any individual Dodge Tall to truly grow old. In the last ten years, Dallas had solved that problem. Lab-grown meat didn't taste anywhere near as good as the Harton, Kithra, or even other Dodge Tall but it was much quicker and cheaper to make. Every city had a great vats of the flavorous stuff, eagerly soaking up all of the nutrients and carbohydrates their farmers could provide. In return, there was enough meat to comfortably feed their burgeoning populations. The rich still ate Harton or Kithra, and as humble as she tried to remain, Threedak was a partial to actual meat. The lab-grown versions had an awful texture and a bland flavor that no amount of seasoning could fix. Ironically, it was one of the Marxists' major demands, an end to lab-made meat. They didn't seem to understand that without the lab-grown meat, Dodge Doll society would collapse. There were simply too many of them to feed with traditional pasture-raised hearten. She closed her eyes for a nap. To her, the Marxists were more of a joke than a threat. She didn't have anything against Karl Marx himself. His focus on the course of history seemed a bit peculiar and poetic for Threedak's taste. 
but many of her economic theories and socialist analysis of class structure were far ahead of their time. The Marxists, on the other hand, bastardized more than his name. None of them inherited the memories of Igwa or Reeves. They didn't even know what Marx had written. Instead, they just gave the rambling speeches and printed poorly edited pamphlets about the importance of equality. Even their concept of equality was baffling. All Dutch town were given healthcare, education, and enough food to survive. Any that wanted more than the basics would have to work in exchange for a dack. The Marxists, that was unacceptable. As far as Katasha's spies had been able to tell, they wanted a society where all Dutch town was simply given whatever they wanted and work was optional. In short, they were a collection of violent idiots. Exactly what the Dutch doll needed while gearing up for an existential threat presented by the invaders. She drifted off to sleep, only to be awoken some time later by the elevator's changeover alarm. Like the rest of the Dutch doll, she walked over to the nearby wall and grabbed onto the rungs, embedded in it. About a minute later, the elevator began slowing down. Friedak felt her body becoming lighter as the acceleration slowed to a stop. Before a brief moment, she was weightless, and then the elevator began de-accelerating. Slowly, with a grace born of Ashley Kooning's painful memories and the same phenomenon, Threedak twisted in the air, her grasp still on the wall, her legs touching down on what used to be the ceiling. On the other end of the elevator, the tightly packed equipment shifted slightly as gravity appeared to reverse. Threedak walked over to the window. They were closed now. Angel, station hung in the geosynchronous orbit over the great desert, connected by a tether of the elevator to the planets below. It had taken years to assemble the station and connect the planetside via insane lengths of highly resistant cable, but finally, it was done. The Dutch doll could easily access space without the risk or expense of rockets. It was only a matter of years before the other equatorial stations were online and their orbit industry could begin in earnest. Threedak smiled. It had taken time and blood, but her people were on the threshold of their birthright. End of chapter. And that, my friends, concludes this video. I hope that you enjoyed. If you enjoyed the story, please follow the link down below and let the author know. If you wish to support this channel, you can do all the usual YouTube gumph, like subscribing, following, and more importantly, sharing. All of these things do help the channel grow. If you wish to do more, there are links for donations, Patreon, and channel memberships as well. And until the next time, I hope that you all have a wonderful one. I will see you in the next video. Cheers.